Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome, everyone, to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome back, everyone, to another awesome episode of the Storybox podcast. Today, my friends, I am speaking with Elliot Ross, who stars as Prince Cedric in the highly anticipated and truly unique Disney Plus series, The Quest, based on the popular 2014 AB series of the same name, which is already out right now on Disney Plus. I highly encourage you guys to go and watch it if that interests you. That is, you can see Elliot Ross as Prince Cedric who does a marvellous job, I should say. Additionally, Elliot can be seen in Apple TV's upcoming miniseries, Masters of the Air, which Steven Spielberg's sequel to the HBO's award-winning Band of Brothers. Elliot has been quietly honing his craft for over 12 years in London until recently when he relocated to LA. He has a strong theoretical background, having worked at the RSC, Shakespeare's Globe and on London's West End. And if you know anything about the space of acting, you know that being in theatre and Broadway shows, that sort of thing, it is no easy thing to do before moving over into film and TV. The whole game itself is not an easy thing to do. So Elliot being one to actually get into the industry and let alone relocate himself from London to L.A., hasn't been easy for him and we do t- we do touch on that during this conversation. But Elliot has a passion for writing. He is currently developing a t- TV comedy series script that explores modern patriarchal masculinity, which we do touch on during this conversation too, which is very, very interesting. When he isn't acting, Elliot works independently as a personal trainer for private clients, which also serves him well when preparing for roles, strength and endurance being important to the physicality of his characters, fitness and well-being and also mental health are extremely important to him in his personal life, which once again, 
we do touch on during this conversation. And Elliot's hope is to bring these issues to the screen more and more. And I think you guys are really going to love Elliot's his mindset and his views towards life. I really, really enjoyed my conversation with him and I hope that you guys enjoy uh, listening to his stories and all the wisdom and the advice that he does have. So my friends, if you do get something from it, please share it around to all your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this one. Also, don't forget before you go to leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast too. Would really do appreciate you guys uh, leaving a rating and review. And hopefully that you guys are helped by Elliot's uh, stories as well. Also, don't forget that you can uh, get a copy of my brand new book, The Path of an Eagle. Uh, Pre-orders are now available in Australia and the US and abroad. So I'll make sure all the links are available for you guys in the show notes to make it really, really simple and easy for you. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Elliot Ross. Thanks, Jay. Good to be here. Good to have you here, man. Can I ask you the very first question um, that I, sorry, I did want to ask you is, what does success look like for you? Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. Big question to start off with. Um, I, I, I think... Um, it depends on what you set out to do. Um, so I, I think, you know, yeah, and, and that will change at different points in your life. And I see, are you asking about career success or you, or about success in life? Could be life success. Does it carry over for you in terms of life and career, or is it just one complete version for you? Yeah. Good question. Well, let's 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 call it life, and 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 assume that career is is a is an important part of that. Um, I think currently for me, success is kind of um, how how well I kind of live my life according to the values that I've I've chosen are important. Um, am I? am I achieving the things that I want in the areas that, that I think are uh, important for me? And, and, and those, those include kind of personal growth, joy, a sense of calm, a sense of adventure, um, relationships with friends and family and, you know, relationships with relationship people <laughs> and, uh, and then of course career. And they all, they all, for me, there's, they're kind of changing, um, changing goalposts all the time. Um, so I'd say my version of success is how well I, I kind of managed to, to do all those things at once. Hmm. I like that, man. It's a, it's a good version of success, I think. And I like how you mentioned values. And yeah. what are your values? Well... I kind of listed them off there, the ones off the top of my head. Joy, definitely. Yeah. Growth, learning uh, all the time. Um, adventure is a really important thing for me. I want to feel like I'm constantly discovering new things. And I'm, I, I'm a bit nomadic at the moment. I've moved across the world to LA and it's, well, halfway across the world. I think fully across the world would be Australia to LA, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I've been halfway across the world, London to LA. Um, 
yeah, uh, fitness is a very, very important value of mine. Um, I kind of, my, my, my personal fitness is something, but it's kind of a, a way in which I kind of measure how, how I'm, how I'm doing. Um, I just think it's really important. And those are, those are some things, I guess. And I, I guess just, you know, being a good guy. <laughs> to me, man, like, and I've always just met you, you seem like a, a pretty down to earth and, and good guy to me. Uh, oh, why, why are those your values? Like, have you looked at the reasons for why they fit into your lives more specifically and over the course of your life, picking them up? I mean, you mentioned joy and mm. fitness as well and being part of it. And I've always been curious, like, what is joy for you? Two questions there. Yeah. I'm gonna make you think today, man. No, it's good. It's good. I like it. This is this is this is what I'm here for. Um, I promise we'll get into the show in a second, but we're gonna we're yeah. gonna build up to it. No, this is good. So so I yeah. How do you arrive at the values that you think are important? I think you need to go through kind of. Um, I need to, you need to go through a couple of of rough patches, right? You need to you need to have a a couple of fires to to know how to put the fires out and. I, I think I think it's kind of been trial and error, um, and until until I worked out if, what things do I need to prioritize in my life uh, to, to to make sure I feel the way I want to feel most of the time. I think, and obviously, I think most people want to feel joy, but I think I think what I started looking for in my decision making was does this bring me joy it's, it's a little bit more specific um and then i started saying no to things that don't mm. which which i think was really good I, I i had help um worked with a life coach and a therapist you know you could kind of help me discover these things about myself so i would yeah i would say that's how i that's how i discovered them <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting, man. I, I won't ask you to, unless you're comfortable with sharing some of the rough patches and what actually happened. But you know, I've I've always been there, and mental health is is really really important. So, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm just always curious. What advice would you give to someone that is going through a rough patch at the moment? Um, I think. Uh, get someone to recommend you um, the right book <laughs> because there've been certain, there've been certain times in my life where, where reading the right book has really uh, shifted my, my perspective or, or my thinking about, about the way that I'm feeling. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, it, it's, it's not, it's everyone, everyone has rough patches in mental health and w without going into, to, too much detail about personal uh, crises. Um, yeah, there have been moments I've, throughout my twenties where I was extremely low and lost, and um, you know that it kind of uh, prompted like, a, like an explorative journey into self. Yeah. Um, and I would say some of the some of the books that I read really, really set me on my path one that one that i uh one that really one that comes to mind straight away 
was um, The Obstacle is the Way by mm. Ryan Holiday. Mm. Got me started on, on Stoic philosophy, which for me has just been kind of a foundational pillar going forward. Um, and that's been really helpful. And just, just kind of the... Um, kind of instilled in me the value of of always practicing excellence in the face of adversity yeah like when when things aren't going well how can you how can you still be excellent how can you still um maximize this opportunity how can you still be the best guy <laughs> um, and, and actually that's that's been really useful because you kind of it makes you feel invincible in a way yeah ryan is uh is an alumni of of the story boxers Blessed to be able to speak to him for his his latest book, uh, Courage is Calling. But I I love his other books too. Obstacle is the way is probably one of my second favorite books of his. Courage is Calling is probably now my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my god! See, I'm I'm um, I'm I'm privileged to be on the same podcast as him. He's been his 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 books. I've got all of them. They've been huge impact on me. Likewise, man. What have uh, been because you're an actor, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. Acting and getting into the space in LA is no easy thing to actually do. And I can only imagine there would be a lot of lows and a lot of highs at the same time. So you, you're in this marigmarole, man, of starting out, trying to get your career off the ground. You're trying to keep everything in line, in focus. So what have been some obstacles that have that you've faced, that you're comfortable with sharing, obviously, yeah, revolving acting that you've had to sort of push push through? Um, I would say that, the, I mean, the first obstacle that I had, I think for, that there, there have been two that come to mind. One, one, one is kind of in my, is like a personal life setup thing. And the other was a professional thing. And I think both, both have been quite, um, challenging obstacles. I think I think when you move to a different place, full stop, it's losing losing. You're 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 moving to somewhere with this like crazy adventure. It's hugely exciting. Life is very very fun. But what you're doing is you're moving away from a safe space. And I think when I when I got to LA, I and to a certain extent still haven't found somewhere really that that feels like home. Like I'm bouncing around between apartments and stuff, and everyone, everyone I've spoken to who's moved to LA has said the first six months to, to a year is very turbulent trying to find somewhere somewhere good to to live, and it's it's definitely it's definitely been uh, that's been hard. It's been hard, kind of uh, n- not having my my home environment set up in a way that aids my work. There's been kind of it's just, that is mostly a logistical problem <laughs> because most, you know, a lot of my work does happen at home. All my auditions are self-taped and, you know, I don't know that a huge amount of people in the city. So it's just been, that's been an obstacle. And then I would say the second obstacle was kind of cho- choosing who to work with over here. Mm. Um, I had lots of meetings with management companies and stuff and, and, and that, that took, that took a lot of time. Um, to kind of find the right person, and uh, and kind of n- and also also to, to feel happy with the decision that I'd made. But I read another really good book on this uh, on on decision making, um, 
It's called How to Decide. I can't, I can't, I can't remember who, who wrote it, actually. I listened to the audio book. But it kind of introduced the notion that there's no such thing as, like, like a bad decision, like a bad outcome doesn't necessarily mean you've made a bad decision. So I, I kind of look, I looked into that and, and how, how I can make a decision with my management and the people that I choose to work with at this pivotal time in my career. Like, how can I, um, yeah, how can I do that and, and still be happy even if the outcome isn't good? Mm. Uh, that, that, was, that was fun um, and, you know, stressful at times. But I made a great decision and I'm pleased with the outcome. So I, I think I think choosing choosing the people that you that you choose to surround yourself with, especially in LA, seems seems to be a very important consideration. I think I need to get that book, man. Yeah, <laughs> how to decide? That is such a how great title of a book. That's what it My says. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, including myself here, trying to figure out what decisions are the right decisions to make, especially with a life-changing decision as in moving from, for you, London to LA and deciding at the same time who to work with and what projects to pick up. I mean, can you really be picking and choosy with starting out? Um, yes and no. Um, I can't be picky and choosy with, um, with lots of things, but I, I found myself saying no to most things that come through in the UK at the moment, because I, because I, I, I think, although, although I'm, I'm a fairly new face on screen, um, I'm quite experienced in my theatrical work in the UK. And I think now that I'm at this new stage in, in my career where I'm on, I'm on Disney plus and I got the show coming out on Apple TV, I think the decisions I make moving forward are really important. Having said that, I am quite new in the American market. I'm quite new in LA. So I want, I want to audition for everything so that lots of people can see me. Um, I think the projects that I choose to take on um, will, be, will have been carefully selected by myself and my team. So yeah, I guess there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue of caliber and wanting to work with people who I think are um, who are going to, who are, are going to, yeah, be, be, be people that can help move, move forward with me in my career or slash our roles that I think will diversify my, myself as an actor. Are you happy currently? Yeah. You mean as a, <laughs> in my career? In your life, career, the whole thing. Just yeah. You, yeah. I am, yeah. I, I I feel like I'm 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 in a transitional period, and I think that there's there's happiness in knowing that things are moving forward and that you're growing up and that you're like I'm 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 doing things that are quite challenging and I'm and I think I'm doing I'm doing an all right job of them and and when I don't I'm I'm aware enough to to learn from it. So yeah, I I am happy. Um, I'm a little overwhelmed sometimes. It's kind of things are like, you know, going at 100 miles an hour at the moment. But yes, and it, and it's nice to be able to say yes. Mm, it is. Yeah. And, and actually knowing that you are happy with where you currently are, I think because not a lot of people can actually say they are. I think in, in actual honest t terms, 
like when you ask them a question, they automatically say yes. They haven't really thought about it too much. Like, yeah. If I was to really say yes, do I really mean it? Am I happy? Can I look at my life and all the things that are going on in my life right now? Does that equate to happiness or does yeah. it equate to not being happy? And both are okay. Like, I think there's so much emphasis on saying yes more than yeah. saying no. Yeah. Yeah. I've just learned to be accepting and comfortable with not being happy at the same time as sometimes that I will be happy too, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and you, don't, you don't have to be happy all the time. No one is. Uh, I, 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 um, I feel like I'm dropping lots of books that I've read recently. But um, <laughs> I love books, man. My, my whole book ca- cabinet, all my books are under my desk at the moment. <laughs> yeah, boxes. yeah. Did, did you read um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? I did. Mark Manson. Manson. He's, he's yeah. also been on the show too. Conversation. He's brilliant as well. So he, he um, there's, there's, in that book, he says, um, happiness is in problem solving. Hmm. And, and if you, if you pick the, the, the problems that you want to solve, the problems that you want to solve most, that's where your happiness is. And I think, I, I thought, I think that was, um, that rang pretty true with me. That was, that's been, um, that's been a pretty useful piece of advice and I, I think you know you're in the right place where things, when things start to fe- feel easier. I, I can't really explain it. Like just I think geographically, because I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling the difference in LA. That I that I am, I'm dealing with things that come up, and I'm I'm productive, and I'm a kind of a, a brighter version of myself in a way that that I wasn't finding so easy in London or, you know, in the UK when, when, you know, in that time where I felt I needed to make a change, like I've really noticed the difference since I moved country. Mm. So why did you decide to choose acting in the first place? Was that always something that you wanted to do or is there another career path that sort of was in your sights as you're growing up? Yeah. Uh, good question. Yeah, I, I, a couple of people have asked me this. I, I actually I don't really have an answer because I can't remember. I can't remember making a decision. I don't think it ever was a decision. I, it was just the only thing. It was the only thing that I really cared about when I was at school, and it. And uh, other people who were who have been like the drama guy or the drama girl at school, <laughs> um, the drama person for your for your year group where you you know you play the lead role in all the plays and it's just your thing. It it actually became like like a, a, an identity for me mm. as a teenager. It's just what I did, and it's where I found my friends outside of school. Um, so it was, uh, it's kind of my my friendship group were based uh, in in the theatre. And then when I left school, there just, it wasn't really a decision. It was just, okay, let's get started. And, and I did. And, to, and I, I still kind of feel that way. Mm. It's not really, it is such an, it's such a huge part of my identity that it isn't really a decision. And I think, I think in order to move away from it completely would be a huge shift in identity. Mm. And you've moved from London to LA, as people know. Yes. <laughs> was, was that a difficult decision for you to make? 
No, it wasn't actually. Um, it was surprisingly easy. So when, when, I, when I was 25, I'm 30 now, by the way. Well, when I was 25, I moved to New York to pursue, I guess to pursue acting. Because I'd been in New York about six months previously doing a, a workshop at some, uh, an off-Broadway theatre. And I, I went back to, uh, because, because of the interest that I kind of found there in my, because in my, um, I'm an American citizen and I've got a, so I grew up in the UK, but I've got an American passport. And I think there was interest in me because of, you know, I had a different accent basically. <laughs> and I've done- Americans well. love British accents. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's, well, we're different here. Mm. In London, everyone has my accent. <laughs> and I, I think I, I enjoyed being different in New York, but I, at that age, so anyway, well, I, the reason I'm telling the story is because when I went back to New York, I went to pursue what I thought was going to be a, a more interesting acting career. Um, but I, I found that I wasn't quite ready to leave my life behind in London. Like I, I didn't give up my flat in London when I left. I, I subletted it kind of mm. um, endless, like indefinitely, just because I didn't want to give up my spot. And, and I wasn't ready to leave, you know, to move to another country from my family. And I just that whole period although i loved new york it's an amazing place to live i recommend spending time there if people haven't but but it i was very torn the whole time this time when i decided to move to la it felt like the it really felt like the right time in my life i didn't feel any conflict about moving out of my place in the uk i really am here wholeheartedly and it's and although logistically it's been challenging and it is difficult being in a new place where you don't know many people I still am not torn about it it feels really right mm. I like how you mentioned uh everyone in the UK has your accent but <laughs> you're standing out you're different it's like and for me to come over to America and have the Australian accent Apparently, Americans love the Australian accent. I have no idea why. <laughs> they do. They get they get us confused. Yeah, they think they, uh, you're Australian and I'm British. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for whatever yeah. reason, it's great. Yeah. But I always say the Aussies have sort of like a a lower grade British accent in a sense. <laughs> like a British accent with a smile. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love the the British accent a lot, um, and the American accent too. I'm I'm big on accents. I don't know why. It's, maybe it's because I'm I'm listening to many people talk and accents all the time. Who knows? It's the weird curiosity for me. <laughs> it's um, it's fascinating. What's what's really fascinating for me is is regional accents. Yeah. In the UK, I mean, we're such a tiny island, but the the range of accents from all over the country is is mind-blowing like yeah. people can be born like two hours apart and have a totally different voice it's it's insane to me it's like here different states i feel like have a different personality as well like for queensland where i'm about to head up they're more relaxed and chill whereas sydney siders they're more fast-paced let's go a lot quicker 
there's no sense of real chill. And then different areas in Sydney, people, the way they act, the way they treat you, like I'm from the West, the Western suburbs. So it's kind of like you're on edge a little bit. I don't know if I can say that <laughs> without getting into too much trouble, but in Queensland, or even if you go into the city, the, there's a different way of living there, different style, different people. And then the accents as well. Like if you're in the city, the, their speech the way they talk, it's very upended, very posh, you know, like they, they out in the West, it's like bogan <laughs> slang. <laughs> like we don't give a crap, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going off on a, on a tangent there, but anyway, yeah, no, steer, steering back to you, my friend, yeah. <laughs> um, so when, when you did come to LA officially, how long was it before you eventually got the, the lead role of Prince Cedric for, you know, the quest? Yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I booked that job when I was in the UK. So mm. I, I, I did that last year from January to March. So I booked it when I was living in London and uh, flew over to California during the pandemic and filmed here during the pandemic. Then I went back to the UK to film Masters of the Air. And I was doing that for, I was on that for about eight months in the end, um, until the end of the year. And when I finished up with that, I, I kind of, I tied up some loose ends in the UK and flew over to California, which I had fallen in love with when I came to film The Quest. Right. And so did you end up meeting Steven Spielberg? I never met him, no. Um, Damn. We filmed in we filmed in uh, in the UK. Um, I don't I don't know if he was on set at any point. I never saw him. Tom Hanks was around though, oh. one of the days, which was that was pretty cool. So he was producing it, right? Yes. You got to meet him? Not not on my own. It was a you know, kind of a, he spoke to the group. Ah, yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So what can we what can we expect from that show before we dive into the quest? Um, well, you mentioned it's, it's a, like a sequel to Band of Brothers produced by Spielberg and Tom Hanks. It's very much in a similar vein to Band of Brothers. It's, um, it's on a very big scale, um, huge cast, huge amount of supporting artists, um, huge sets. It's hyper-realistic. It's brutal. Uh, it follows um the the boys that f that flew in the planes mm. and it's about their camaraderie and their relationships and their fear and their you know their humor and um and i think yeah that that's what's at the heart of the show it's i mean it's it's going to be i think it's going to be amazing if it's anything like band of brothers or the pacific it's going to be incredible are you in a lot uh, i'm in three episodes Hey, for the majority of the episode or just bits and pieces? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I was there a lot. It's difficult to, to tell what they're going to use. <laughs> you know, it's kind of out of my hands, but yeah. I, yeah, I know you probably like can't say too much, which is no, totally, no. totally fine, man. Yeah, but no, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully not. How about for the quest? Are you in that a lot? The quest, I'm in it a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the leads in that and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in every episode. I've got a really nice character arc and 
yeah, I, I, I would I would say Cedric is is an important part of moving the story forward, and uh, I was really thrilled with that. How did you go about forming Cedric, the character? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the same way I, I go about forming any character, I guess it's looking at the starting point, looking at the, the finish point, and then plotting the journey and kind of looking at the moments that are most important um, in, in that character's discovery of themselves. Because I always think a character has to learn something about themselves as, as, the, as the show goes on. Um, and, and for Cedric, it, it was, okay, look, look at the starting point. He's just lost his father. He's grieving. He's this kind of warrior prince. He's angry. He's combative. He's um, aggressive. He doesn't view others as equals. He's, um, yeah, he's just, just a bit of a jerk. <laughs> but, um, and, then, and, then, and then he kind of learns how to collaborate throughout the series. And he, he kind of, learns what it takes to be a king and not just a, an angry little prince. <laughs> you know, like, he learns he what it means to become a man. So it was, I looked at a couple of things. I looked at grief. Um, I looked at, I, then I looked quite heavily at, at masculinity mm. and what that meant to him and, uh, and where I could draw an experience in my own life to, to bring to the character. And then I kind of, I looked at the genre lots. I, um, I watched Game of Thrones. I had a, yeah. <laughs> I already had, I knew Lord of the Rings inside out already, but I kind of had a, like a mood board of characters from fantasy that I, that I was able to kind of look at. I mean, there, there are elements of um, Richard Madden's character in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones and elements of um, Jon Snow, just like kind of, just like little reference points that I had. So I'd say that those were like three, three, Three things that I used. <laughs> I personally uh, binge watched Game of Thrones not that long ago, so I I kind of had that feeling of the Richard Madden's character in that com- com- combining with your Prince Cedric from what I saw of the trailer. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's interesting. And and Jon Snow. Every time I hear of Jon Snow, I'm like, you know nothing, Jon Snow, like that. That line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and everyone else. It's brilliant when a, when a, when when a line is just so quotable. One of my favourite one-liners, man. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's good. You know nothing, <laughs> Jon Snow. Uh, anyway, my friend, I did want to touch on uh, masculinity for a moment because I think that's a very interesting topic that you brought up. And you're writing, I think it's a comedy series yourself. Yeah. In that, in that realm. So I wanted to ask you, what did you discover that it means to be a man? Um, that it, that it, well, I mean, I'm, I don't, I, I don't know if I've discovered it, but what I am learning is that, uh, it's, it's not what I thought I needed to be. How so? Um, I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak from my own personal experience because we don't have, you know, I don't have the same reference point as everyone and everyone's from different backgrounds and, you know, different cultures. And, um, but, but for me, there was this version of being a man, um, this kind of provider person that I think is born out of patriarchy. The, I, I, you know, I, I think my my upbringing was 
wonderful by the way there's no i have no criticism of of my my of of that but i think that there's like a, a patriarchal uh society that i was uh growing up in and i think my my value system has had to change um and i i think a lot of that i, th I think learning how to talk about my feelings and to be vulnerable, like actually vulnerable, um, yeah. is 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 still a work in progress. But it's something I'm aware that 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 needs the work. Um, I th I think that there were elements of body image that um, that came into it, which is why I'm so passionate as a trainer. Um, I'm a very very um, empathetic personal trainer. Yeah. Um, and very focused on mental health rather than or, or, or you know uh, improving one's relationship with their body and their body image um yeah i just i, I just always felt like I, I think it might maybe it was to do with being an actor or wanting wanting to be a leading man in inverted commas um i just felt like i needed to be this thing this version, this this version of a masculine, manly man, <laughs> and <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. I don't I don't have the, the vocab at the moment, but but I think realizing realizing that actually, um, no one no one is that. No one needs to be that, and uh, I think masculinity is something certainly in gender politics that is changing or needs to change to keep up with uh, society as it evolves. Feminism's in its sixth wave, fifth or sixth wave. And I think, I think um, that there are, we, we might be lacking in mainstream resources as men in order to, to kind of l learn how to keep up. Mm. I think it exists. Like, don't get me wrong. The resources exist. There's tons of books, and uh, I read a really good one by Bell Hooks, which um, which I, th I think that was the best one. But there's there's a few really good ones that I read, and then you know there's loads of TED talks, and it's definitely there to be found if yeah. if, you, if you seek it out. But my interest in it being on television is to make it widely accessible, to make it funny, and uh, to have it cater to a, a young male audience who are kind of facing masculine pressures um, as they, you know, maybe in their early 20s, yeah. which is may maybe when I started to kind of question things. Mm. Um, so, so my show is, is based in a, in a British football pub in a parallel universe mm. where patriarchal men know how to talk about their feelings. <laughs> and it's, um, it's like a buddy comedy centered around like this kind of misfit group of guys. Um, they're all pretty weird. Um, and most importantly, very uh, patriarchal in, 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 in different ways from different demographics. Um, and, uh, they kind of, in, in this pub, they they kind of go on this journey of um, masculinity together. And I think the the um, the thing that I think is most interesting about it, other than it's if I do say so myself, it's it's funnies. I think it's pretty funny. Um, I think I think the thing that's really exciting about it is that I've given um, 
the male characters a depth of emotional language that I don't think I've seen in other shows on TV. And I, th I think there are, there are some, they, they might exist, I just, I, I haven't seen them. And th there are other shows that, that kind of look at these, that kind of skirt around issues and some shows almost get there. But I haven't seen a show that is just about masculinity and men having sensitive, funny, um, intelligent, uh, maybe even therapized conversations about, about sex and relationships and masculinity. And uh, I think that's very exciting. Mm. I think so too, man. And I can't wait to see it on screen. Like, so hopefully it happens sometime soon. But because you like books, I'll make one recommendation before I ask you the final yeah. question. This is one of my favorite books. Uh, it was by Lewis Howes. It's The Masks. The Mask of Masculinity. The Mask of Masculinity. There you go. I've got the title of my favorite book. <laughs> one of my yeah. favorite books. But definitely check that one out. That is uh, one of the most profound books when it comes to masculinity and how men tend to put on these different masks at different stages of, of their life. They can put on multiple masks if they want. There's different versions of, there's different yeah forms of masks that we put on which I found it fascinating to see how we can not only identify that mask actually exists in the first place and, and how we're putting it on, but also how do we can take it off at the same time in the yeah. same vein. And it comes down to that vulnerability factor, but man, uh, definitely check that book out. Yeah, I'll read it. <laughs> I, I think you'll, I think you'll love it. I've got so many book recommendations. We can talk for hours on them. Yeah. Uh, but my final question for you, man, this is my all time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one. And because you're a filmmaker and you're an, an actor too, I think you'll appreciate it. But I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world. They got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument, I know. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Such a good question. Um... I want that I want that film to show that I have done a lot of different things um that I have traveled to lots of different places and had lots of profound experiences and that I have done lots of different jobs and um, I have I have impacted other people's lives and that generally I, I, I went through my life making people feel good in different parts of the world <laughs> I don't know it's such a big question <laughs> I've, never, I actually, I've never I've never I've never thought about that before so uh, on the spot that's that's um that's what i got well maybe i'm gonna have to have you back on at a later date to continue this conversation my friend because i did have quite a few more questions for you 
But nonetheless, I do appreciate your time today. People can go and see you in, in the quest and Masters of Air very, very soon, I believe. Elliot, man, thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom, your advice, and of course, the many stories that you did share and the book recommendations too. Can't forget those. Thank you so much, man, for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was great. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.